Well, we're continuing on. Uh, last week I started a message entitled Through Faith, and I thought it would be just a standalone one-part message, and it's not. And so uh, we're going to do part two, and I'm really going to endeavor, I, I believe, to start a new series um, next week. But this is very, very important, and we want to make sure that we uh, handle all that needs handled with this, uh, such an important subject. Um, if you, if you take all the, what are categorized as Christians in the world, there's over 2.2 billion people that would call themselves a Christian. And obviously, we're at all different persuasions. Not everybody's going to sing the same song. Uh, but that is the largest single group surrounded about anything in the whole wide world. And so I'm glad to be counted in that number. And um, a lot of the, quote, body of Christ is, is uh, asleep in certain degrees, and we want to make sure that we're fully awake. Yeah. You ever had your leg fall asleep or something, you know, and, and we want to make sure everything's up, up and at them, okay, and, and awake. If you take all that all of us believe, um, honestly, and this is not an egg, it's a circle, Trust me, it's your, your vision is off. Uh, no, but if this is the whole pie, if this is all that we believe in what the, the Bible teaches, you know, honestly, it gets divided up in a whole lot of ways, this pie, and you've got big sections and little sections and, and so forth that happen there. And, and what happens in the whole body of Christ is sometimes somebody will take part of a verse and make that their whole deal. Or they'll take a chapter and a half of something and, and put such emphasis on that that they kind of ignore the rest. And so I think essentially if we all sit down, we pretty much, you know, agree and believe the same things. But the difference comes in emphasis. Emphasis. And if you read the Bible properly, you're going to find several major themes that you cannot afford to discount. And... We want to make sure that we're making the main thing the main thing and not make a bunch of other little things or a single little thing the main thing. We want to make it the, the main thing. And it's called rightly dividing, rightly dividing the word of truth. And one of the major Bible themes that we see is faith, faith. Faith is a big deal, y'all. Come on, faith is a big deal. And it must be emphasized properly. And we must realize that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The Bible also tells us, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And all over and over and over, we see that this is a major Bible theme. Throughout the Old Testament, we even found people... Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Uh, over and over, we see a fashion, a form of faith that people believe God. And so faith is something certainly we need to emphasize as we start this year and, and get things cranked up for ourselves. Now, faith ultimately is just confidence, you know, if we were to come up with a working definition that we could really put a handle on and hold on to, it's confidence. If you truly have faith in something or someone, you have confidence in them. And when our 
confidence toward God, the result of that will be is when we truly have confidence in God and his word, we will trust and obey. And it's not just this effort, okay, I've got to trust, I've got to obey. No, when that confidence gets formed on the inside of you, you will trust and you will obey because you have that confidence. And if there's anything that, that I feel is very important that must be built into the people of God, and, and especially under my charge, the, the people of Meadowbrook Church, this family of faith, is we want to make sure that you have confidence toward God, especially in this, in this coming year, that no matter what would come, no matter who gets elected, no matter whatever would come, because you and I are not going to be able to direct all of those things. We have a part to play. We have a part to pray. And we should be doing all of those things. But, you know, no matter what will come on the earth, you and I must have confidence in God. And the result will be is that we will trust him. We will obey him. Where'd all the happy people go? Ah, oh, there they are. First uh, John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Help me out. Our what? Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Now that brings up this word overcome. Here's the deal. You either overcome or you are overcome. You either overcome or you are overcome. I want to be an overcomer, okay? And the way we overcome is not just pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and you know, gritting our teeth and will worship. The way we overcome is faith. Faith, and that faith is confidence in God and in his word. Now, understand that faith is not, and I shared this with you last week, faith is not just a formula. And be cautious of anybody that tries to reduce faith down to it's these seven steps, these three keys, these 21 whatevers, because you're not going to remember all those. And even if you did learn all those, you're going to find yourself just on some kind of checklist, and it takes the heart out of it, and it makes it effort and works. And what we want to make sure is that, that faith is not a formula, but faith does have ingredients. And those things uh, of necessity must be a part of a living faith that will cause us to overcome. Now, if you have faith in God, you know, if I were to ask all of you, do you have faith in God? Well, of course, we're in church, blah, blah, blah. Um, but if you have faith in God, really what you're also saying is, I have faith in his word. Because God and his word are one, guess what? You and your, your word are one. So if I say of someone, I believe them, I have faith in them, I have confidence in them, it's not just them, I must also have faith and confidence in their word and what they say. Are you following me? And so if I say I believe God and that I don't know what he said, that's not going to be a very uh, firm confidence or faith in God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And so God and his word are one, you and your word are one. And so if I have faith in God, I have faith in his word. And so one of the ways to keep that faith strong and live and, and, and vibrant is that I believe God, but I also believe his word. I have confidence in his word. Are you with me? Paul said this in First Timothy. He said, I know whom I have believed, not just what I believe. We don't want to just end up having faith in our faith in what we believe. It's, it's about a person. Who is he who overcomes? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So our faith is, we know whom 
we have believed, and he and his word are one. I'm, I know I'm circling around this a couple of times because you cannot separate the two. And, and uh, it just does not work to say, you know, I'm following God and I don't follow his word. Or I believe God, but I don't believe his word. You put the two together because the two are one. Amen. Now, there is a brand of faith that we talked about last week and this week that I call through faith. Through faith. And it's a, a brand of faith that will get you through some things. How many of you know that you might need to get through some things this year? How many of you have been through some things before? How many of you would really like to be through with some things right now? Okay. And you've got to have through faith, that brand of faith that will get you through. And so that's what we're exploring here. Now, last week I shared with you out of Mark's gospel an account of something that happened with Jesus and his disciples. And we're going to revisit that today and pick up from there. We'll pick up a few more things in that. And then I want to use that to kind of launch to where we're going today. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it said, On the same day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, the disciples, Let us cross over to the other side. For emphasis, I want you to just say that with me. Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to him, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now this happened on the Sea of Galilee. It has several other names, Genesaret, Tiberias, uh, a couple of others. Part of it has to do with different time frames. Also, part of it has to do with which shore you lived on. And it's called a sea, but it's actually a lake. Uh, it's fresh water. It's fed by springs. It's also connected to the Jordan River. The, most of Jesus' ministry happened within eyesight, earshot of this lake, this sea. Uh, so many things happen right around there in the Jordan and the hills and all of that that's right around there. So you pretty much say that this was pretty central to Jesus' whole ministry. And he knew the lay of the land. And I uh, illustrated this for you last week that this lake, this sea, is 680 feet below sea level. The other, the other, other body of water lower is the Dead Sea, and it's right near there. And so 680 feet below sea level, and then you, it's surrounded, and especially on the east side of this, with mountains and hills that go as high as 2,200 feet. So you've got a great distance there. And not only do you have these hills, but there are a lot of passes and gaps and narrow valleys. And what happens is you have this cool, dry air that would just fall into those gaps and valleys, and heat rises. And this cool, dry air falls down in there and literally becomes like a wind tunnel at times. That cool, dry air comes and clashes with this warm, moist air that's over the world, uh, over the world, over the water. And as that collides together, temperature goes down, pressure changes, and you have a storm. 
and sometimes very violent. But the thing is, this was common and this is common. And Jesus knew that. So the passage I just read to you, I want to suggest to you is really not about a storm. Because Jesus even said in John 16, 33, in the world, you will have, let me paraphrase, storms. It is common that things happen in life. If anybody told you, come to Jesus, join a church, and you'll have no more storms, they lied to you or they were half drunk. Okay? The reality is, as long as we're in the world... And we're not believing for storms. We're not believing for problems. And nor do we believe that God is the author of those things. But these things happen and we need to know how to deal with them. But this passage, this account really is not about storms. It's more about valuing and weighing what God said on a day-to-day basis. That's really what it's about. And so this storm comes and and Jesus is asleep on a pillow in the stern, the back part of the boat. And you have all of this storm and the winds are blowing. And Jesus knew it was a possibility before they even took off. The disciples had been with him and lived in that region as well. They knew that too. But see, this storm has now come up and everything's going on. But Jesus had said, let us go to the other side. Let's cross over to the other side. And I want to emphasize this. I believe that when he said that, he was making a declaration. He was stating his intentions. We are going, let us cross over to the other side. I'm concerned that the disciples only heard it as directions. We're headed that way. And, that, and so they failed to fully value. They failed to fully catch what he was saying here. When he was declaring, let us cross over to the other side, declaration. They just kind of caught it uh, as directions. And therefore, they did not have through faith. So as the storm comes up, they don't think that they will get through. Now, come back to that in just a moment. So the storm arises, the wind's blowing, the waves are crashing in. The disciples are having a hard time, so much so that they think that they are perishing. Could I just ask you a question? Were they really perishing? No, they really weren't. But have you ever thought you were perishing? Come on. I remember as a kid one time crashing my bike and lay in there thinking, I think I'm dead. <laughs> and then growing up uh, in my early years, the house that we had had terrazzo floors. How many of you remember terrazzo floors? Anybody? Okay, and they're always cold and they're always slick. And guess what my mom would do? Wax them. <laughs> and then she would put out throw rugs. And this and the rug she had didn't have the rubber backing and bottom, the non-slip kind. I think it was revenge. And I remember running down the hall because mom would say, don't run in the house. But you still did, you know, and crash. And I can remember laying in the hallway. I think I'm perishing, Right. Now, honestly, in your life, haven't you had some situations before you think, I, I think we're drowning on this one. I, I think we're, we're crashed, we're, we're over, I think we're perishing. And I don't think it was any question to them that they were perishing because that's what they said, don't you care that we are perishing? Can't you see that we are perishing? What did Jesus do? Jesus got up, he rebuked, get this, this is significant, he rebuked the wind. That's what came down, that was the source that got got the storm going. He rebuked the source of it. Then he spoke 
to the waves, peace be still, and there was a great calm. And then it says, and then they just marveled. They were amazed. They said, who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Which to me kind of proves my point that this really is not about the storm. They weren't asking him to stop the storm. They apparently didn't even know that he would or could because they were amazed once he did. And so this all goes back to what Jesus said and what he declared. So he comes back to them with two questions and his questions reveal his concerns. His first question is, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Secondly, he asked, how is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? They did not have a through faith. How is it that you have no faith? If you read the context of it all, you see that they'd just been exposed to so much of Jesus and what he was doing. They were bound to have some faith. But now in the middle of this storm, they're full of fear and they have no faith. I know I drew this for you last week, but I believe it'll help you again. And I'm spelling this this way on purpose, okay? When you are fearful, you are full of, of fear. And when you are fearful... You are faith, help me, you are faithless. Say this with me, when I am fearful, oh, that was really weak. Uh, When I am fearful, I am faithless. But when I am faithful, faithful, full of faith, then I am fear, then I am fearless. And I believe that we have capacity. You just hold so much. And you need to be very aware of the contents of your capacity. You need to be aware, am I full of fear? Am I full of faith? And apparently it can change. I said, apparently it can change. And how many of you know that it can kind of change kind of quickly? This is why we walk day by day, live day by day, moment by moment in a relationship with God, not just some annual retreat with the Lord. We're going to have a whole lot happen in between that we need to make sure and monitor. Well, the doctor said this, The lawyer said this. The banker said this. They said this. They didn't say this. And it can create all kinds of things. And we want to monitor this so that we remain faithful, full of faith, and we can stay fearless. Are you with me? Here's a thought for you. And I thought about this earlier in the week. What if this storm came up? What if, and, and don't answer this out loud, okay? What if the storm came up and the disciples did not wake Jesus? Would they have made it? I think so. Or what if they woke Jesus and he looked at him and just rolled over? Would they have made it? Why? Because of what he said. Because of what he said. Look at me. Listen to me. You've been through some situations before where he said we'd make it. And you thought, I'm perishing. Am I right? Now listen, I think if you don't have through faith, that brand of faith, that that confidence in God and his word that he'll get you through, then when those storms come up, listen, and we've been through a lot of them, you'll get through. But listen to me, and I'm not cursing here, but it's going to be a hellish ride. See, I believe that even if they had not woke Jesus or if Jesus had not responded, and it was his mercy, and I also think it was a teaching moment for him to calm the storm. But I I think they would have made it, but guess what? They would have the whole time thought we were perishing. And it would have been a hellish trip 
full of fear, full of terror, full of agony. And then they would have arrived on the other shore and the storm lifted and Jesus would have got up. Hey guys, what's up? And they would have gone, it's all good. And sometimes, how many of you know God's gotten you through some things and your faith was not even in the county? Okay. But it would be way better, would it not? Wouldn't it be way better to have confidence like a ride at Disney World? However crazy and twisting and scary and turbulence and you will get wet on this ride, all those things. Isn't it good though? Your heart beats, you you know, but you have this confidence. We'll get off this ride. We're going home today. We're going to go eat after this ride. And it's not so hellish. It actually, you know, it actually bolsters your confidence in God that he will get you through. Are you with me? Now, it's based on his word. It's based on his word. And that's what we fail to do sometimes is to value and weigh his word properly in our lives. Now, avoid all you can. Every storm you can avoid, avoid. Endure what you have to. Avoid all you can. Endure what you have to, and get this, and do not go wordless. Do not go wordless. Uh, how many of you made some New Year's resolutions? Four of you. Um, how many of you know that the enemy of your soul has made some resolutions? Let me give you a, a couple of his top ones. Keep you out of the word. Keep you out of church. And keep you at odds with the people who count in your life. And I think you should make at least three resolutions just to spite the enemy of your soul. I will be in the word. I will be in church. And watch me get along with folks. Okay? Amen. Amen. Now. But avoid all you can. Endure what you have to. And not go wordless. And this is the big point. This is the big takeaway. Because what got them through that storm was what he said. And the ride will be a whole lot better if you will put confidence in what he said. His word. Amen. And what you and I have to do is get a word from God. Get some promises from God for your storm. For your situation. Amen. And for this year. 2012, 2012. 2K12, 20 dozen. I've heard it called a bunch of things. Whatever it is, you need to have some words from God about getting through this year. You're not hearing me. You need to get a word from God, some words, some promises from God for this year so that you have some through faith. He will get me through this year. He will get me through this. You need to have that and it can only be based upon his word. Now, the problem for the disciples, and it's the problem for us too, and listen to this. Sometimes we get fearful because we allow what we see and what we feel to trump what he has said. But a lot of times for us, how many of you consider yourself pretty consistent as far as church, God, things like that? Same four. (laughs) No, come on, get with me, get with me here. All right. Well, here's the danger 
of we have the word so available to us. We have so many Christian resources and products available to us. I mean, how many of you have more than one Bible? You know, and just in my car, I have presets on my radio and so forth. So I could get Christian station. I don't like that song. I'll go to this Christian station. Oh, they're talking right now. I'll go to this Christian station. Oh, they're singing right now. I'll go back to this one. I want to hear some talking, you know. Oh, I can listen to podcasts. I can listen to CDs. I can read things. You come to a church where we unashamedly read and teach and preach the word of God. And so we get the word of God and we fall into the danger of familiarity. And then we, we start to not value things like we should. We don't weigh them like we should. And the disciples were with Jesus all the time and they missed what he said. They missed what he said, and that's what we have to make sure is that we don't miss what he said. If he said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, you should like, yes. Instead, we just go, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. Some days I come here and I go, this is the day the Lord has made. You're like, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. If it kills me. Alicia and I had a very good friend went home to be with the Lord a number of years ago, younger than I am, younger than I was at the, at the time as well. And he was a pastor and um, he passed away in the last few weeks of his life. I went and spent a lot of time with him, which was um, gut-wrenching but enriching. And one day he looked at me and he said, you know, if you hear or read John 3.16 and it doesn't bring a tear to your eye, your heart is hardened. I thought, oh my God. And we need to get back to the place where I'm going to hear it like I've never heard it before. And I'm going to value it. And I'm going to honor what Jesus would say. Because listen, it's not some old dusty book. This is the living word of God. It's God inspired. It's still alive. And listen, it's God's word and he's speaking it to you. He's saying it to you. And so don't miss it as... We're going that direction. No, don't miss the declaration that he says we're going to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side and get his promises and love his promises and receive his promises. And here's the problem for the disciples and the problem for us. Sometimes we're so familiar with it that we fail to value it and fail to weigh it and we miss it. We fail to hear it. And let's make sure that we do that. Amen? Amen. Now, There's a lot of this that has to do with some choice. I I mentioned to you earlier that this can change pretty quick, can it? I mean, some days you can be whistling along, you know, God is so good, God is so good. On your way to the mailbox and you open up the mailbox, oh my God, what am I going to (laughs) do? And everything just suddenly changed. Why are you laughing? Because you've been there. We have something to do with this. We have something to do with this. And fear is faith in reverse. It's still believing, but it's believing something opposite of faith. And we have a lot to do with throwing the levers of being fearful or faithful. And what you feed grows and what you starve dies. And you can feed your fear or you can feed your faith. In Mark chapter 5, there's a 
a time where the ruler of the synagogue found Jesus. And he said, my little daughter is lying at the point of death. And Jesus said, I'll come. And she'll live and not die. And along the way, he stopped and ministered to some other people. And then word came to them. And they said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. And we pick up here in Mark chapter 5, verse 36. And it says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, watch this carefully, do not be afraid, only believe. Will you read that part with me? Do not be afraid, only believe. Now I want you to read it with some emphasis here. Do not be afraid. Will you do that? Do not be afraid, only believe. See, sometimes we get afraid. And what Jesus is saying is do not be afraid. Don't continue to be afraid. Listen to me. Don't lose all your confidence if you get afraid. Don't stay afraid. Throw that lever. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to continue to be afraid. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. But if you're going to trust God, you're going to have to have something in his word to trust and in his history in your life to trust. Don't be afraid. We get afraid. Come on. How many of you have gotten afraid before? Oh, but don't stay afraid. Don't continue afraid. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't stay afraid. Now, fear is the problem. And fear typically manifests its life or itself in our life as worry. Worry. How many of you since New Year's have worried? It's the same four. I'm teasing. Come on. How many of you have worried about, about something? That's typically how fear rears its ugly head in our life in this other form called worry. It's also called anxiety sometimes. And God and his word has much to say about worry and anxiety. And mostly what it says about it is this, don't, don't. So again, we do have some choice in this. I remember talking to a lady probably 20, 20 years ago now, ministering to her, trying to encourage her. And I told her, don't worry. And she said, you keep saying, don't worry. But if I don't worry, what on earth am I going to do? <laughs> and there are some options. Now, what you worry about is not nearly as important as why you're worrying. See, I could say, what are you worrying about? 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 And you could say it's this. And you're not condemned because you would worry about something. But remember, don't be afraid. Don't continue to worry. But the real question would be, why are you worrying about that? Why are you worrying about it? Because ultimately, it's a matter of trust. Do I trust him? Do I trust his word? And we've got to focus and flood the light of the word on that anxiety, on that worry, and it will change things. In Proverbs 12, 25, it says, anxiety is in the heart, worry is in the heart, in the heart of man causes depression. It causes the heart to be weighed down. But a good word makes it glad. And so there's an antidote uh, for it right there is that we can get a good word, flood the light of God's word into that worry, and it's going to make your heart glad. How many of you would rather your heart be glad than weighed down and depressed? And you, again, have much to do with it. Now, in um, Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching, verse 5, 6, and 7. He's teaching what is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. 
and he's teaching a lot of incredible things. This is probably the biggest collection of what Jesus has taught. And in the middle of his teaching, all of a sudden he starts saying this, and do not worry. And do not worry. And he says, consider the birds of the air. And he said, they don't toil, they don't work, they don't have a job, they don't have a resume. And your heavenly father feeds them. I think it's significant that we see birds feeding a lot in the morning. I think that's to catch our attention. It's not just their feeding schedule, it's to catch our attention. And to remind us that our heavenly father makes sure, see, God's in charge of distribution. He makes sure that bird and worm meet up at the right place. About two, three weeks ago, there's a hawk that lives near our neighborhood. And sometimes he's in, sometimes he's on the fence. Sometimes we let Alicia's little dog out in the yard and it's like. <laughs> but I was pulled out of our neighborhood and this hawk, and I've seen him do this before. He's taking off from one side of the road and he's carrying a snake that's about this long. And he's got it. And I'm pretty sure that he turned and looked at me and winked. You know, what was, you know what was graphic for me right then? My heavenly father takes care of the birds of the air. And then Jesus went on to say, and consider the lilies of the field, the flowers. Have you ever seen, could anybody dress anybody as good as these are dressed? You know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, flower industry. We just, we look at them. They bring us joy and beauty. And, and if, you know, if you have an atheist friend, he ends up in the hospital, send him some flowers and make him sit him right next to his bed so he has to look at it. Or a real evolutionist, let them look at that, you know, because God's creation God's first missionary, I read the other day, creation. Isn't that awesome? His first missionary is creation. You look at creation, it's going to tell you something about the creator. And then Jesus comes along and he says this. Don't worry. Don't worry. You've got the birds I take care of. You've got the flowers I take care of. And I'll take care of you. And in verse 32 of Matthew 6, verse 32 and 33, and I'll read this from the New Living. It says, these things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. And just prior to that, it lists all the things we worry about. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? How am I going to get there? How am I going to pay for this? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father, everybody say, my heavenly father. Your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Notice your heavenly father, say it again, my heavenly father, Father. your heavenly father knows what you need. It does not say, notice it says my heavenly, your heavenly father. It does not say someone in heaven has duly noted your request. It says your heavenly father. Now look at me. Your heavenly father knows what you need. Listen to me. Look at me. Your heavenly father knows what you need. Now, if you don't believe that, you will worry. But if you believe that, if your heart is assured of it, if you have confidence of that, you won't worry. Let me read you another verse real quick. In Isaiah 58, 11, it says, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Look at me, listen to me. If you don't believe that, you'll worry. But if you believe that, if you have confidence in that, 
You don't worry. Why? Because our Heavenly Father. Say it again, my Heavenly Father. It's our Heavenly Father. You know, I have, I have five children, and I just can't tell you how much I love my children. I'm so proud of them and what they're becoming, and, and I just love them. And their age range now is 12 to 26. So we're going to have some more children. No, we're not. We're counting on grandbabies. And my grandson is now 18 months, 18 months old, and Lee brought him up in the office just, just before this service, and he came in and ate a couple of blueberries and ran around, and he's just awesome, you know, and it just fills my heart with joy. But I'm thinking back to my children when they were all smaller. And a lot of times, Alicia and I, in a non-obtrusive, intrusive way, we kind of listen as they play and hear what they talk and say and, you know, do different things. And never, ever have we ever kind of listened in on them while they're playing and heard them one say to the other one, I'm really worried today. <laughs> said, yeah, what's bugging you? <laughs> Gas prices. <laughs> Concerned about the election. Grocery money. College fund and interest rates. And the other one would hold them. I know. <laughs> you know what? That never showed up on their radar because of this. Get this. Get this. Because they'll say, Dad takes care of that. Amen. I don't worry about that. Dad takes care of that. There's been some world-changing, life-altering news that suddenly would come into your living room by way of television or in the car by way of radio. And the kids are there, you know, and suddenly we interrupt this program and they bring in something. And it's been, we've had some incredible things happen in the last couple of decades. And the kids hardly even paid attention to that. Go back to, (laughs) why? Mom and dad will take care of that. And you and I need to understand that my heavenly father, say it again, my heavenly father, my heavenly father knows what I need. And if you don't believe that, you'll worry. And it's going to be a hellish trip for you. But if you believe it, you won't worry. You won't worry. Let me encourage your heart just with a few verses here before we close. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. Isaiah 41, verse 10 and verse 13, the Lord says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Psalm 23, 4 says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. And I love this one. Psalm 112, verse 7 and 8. He, say that's me. 
He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid. And in the New Living Translation, it reads this way. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They're confident and they are fearless. And if you don't believe that, you'll worry. But if you believe that, you won't worry. And the bottom line is your heavenly father knows what you need. And you are never alone. And you are never without help. And I encourage you to believe that and be confident in that. And that will produce in you through faith. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.